Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I discuss revolution from Saturday night. That's right. AEW, in my opinion, best pay-per-view so far. We talk about new AEW world champion, the one and only John Moxley. Also, we go back to what we saw in Saudi Arabia on Super Showdown on Thursday afternoon and Goldberg beating Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship. How that's setting up Goldberg and Roman Reigns, but also setting up John Cena and the Fiend Bray Wyatt. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Two questions. One, is it the right time for John Moxley? And two, is John Moxley the right fit as the face of your company? Uh, why wouldn't he be? Absolutely. I was just throwing out that little piece with the Fozzie tour to get your opinion to see if maybe it was a little too soon and maybe they did it because of outside reasons. Um, I don't think so. The build to Jericho and Moxley was really good, telling the story about the eye. Um, in an inadvertent way, Moxley got his receipt on Jericho by headbutting him in the face and busting him open and having to put uh, stitches in Jericho's face. Good build, good story, good characters, good payoff to a great pay-per-view. And the Moxley era begins. Excited to see where they're going to go with him this Monday night. And I think this Monday night, you open... I'm sorry. Wednesday. This Wednesday night. And I think you open up this Wednesday night's uh, Dynamite with your new heavyweight champion, John Moxley. And I do think that John Moxley is the perfect fit for AEW. Like, he really does fit that fan base for AEW because obviously AEW, and you know this by watching the show on Wednesdays, but especially that pay-per-view. This is not the WWE we're watching. And that's not taking anything from the WWE, but we needed something that was different from the WWE on a bigger level. And seeing guys that are busted open, seeing kind of a little bit of the, the salty language. This is a rougher type of company than the high-polished, glossy WWE that's PG-friendly. And you need that, and I think John Moxley is the perfect face of the franchise for AEW. And we're going to probably be going into the second quarter of 2020 with two-thirds of the Shield as heavyweight champions because I I bet a dollar on it that Roman is going to become the Universal Champion and obviously Moxley is the AEW Champion. I don't see him losing it um, very quickly. 
So we'll have that head-to-head battle going on also. Which would be fun. And then with John Moxley, this is what he wanted. We knew it from when he was a guest on Talk is Jericho Bully that he was extremely frustrated creatively with the WWE. You know, he wanted the chains to be broken. They're broken in AEW. And, and now he's your top guy. He's your champion. Dave, I've noticed something about Moxley. I especially noticed it in the weigh-in. Uh, that they did last week, and I've noticed it one or two other times whenever Moxley would be in the ring with Jericho and they would be doing uh, you know, promos and going back and forth on the mic. Moxley would do something in the ring that I never saw him do in the WWE when he was in the ring. What's that? You know what it is? What? Take a guess. Take a guess. I, please tell me. I have no idea. He would smile. He would actually laugh. There would be times that Chris would crack him and make him smirk. That's because he's in a good mood. That's because he's having fun. You never saw you never saw Dean Ambrose smirk or crack in the ring, you know, especially towards the end with whatever they had him doing. There was no happiness. It was a going through the motions uh, type of character. This guy's out there having a blast. Jericho came out there and said something during the weigh-in where I mean, Moxley wanted to break down and bust out laughing right there. When I see things like that, I know that guys are at peace with themselves and that they're having a blast and that's the way it should be and when you're having fun you can let it all hang out um and you can go out there and and put on the type of matches that jericho and moxley had and here's the thing too you knew it too after the match is over and he addressed the crowd I mean, that's where you really see John Moxley. That's where you see the man, not just the character and the personality in the ring, but the guy. Like, you know, when he's saying it's beer o'clock and he's going to go have some whiskey, I mean, those are the things that that fan base wants to hear. When they started his, like when he took that long pause and then they played his music and he's like, what the fuck? Like, you know, he's like, I'm not done. Like, the fans pop for that. They love that stuff. And John Moxley's the perfect guy because, once again, you look at that crowd you didn't see kids in that crowd you didn't see 65 year old men in that crowd you're seeing that fan base of 18 to 40 that's the fan base that you're seeing at AEW shows and that's the fan base that was in Chicago on Saturday night and that fan base is into just about everything that AEW does and one of the things that I'm happiest about is seeing how much that fan base is into the younger, up-and-coming, homegrown AEW stars. Case in point, Orange Cassidy. Case in point, Darby Allin. I'll say case in point, MJF also, but MJF has kind of been attached to Cody's hip. Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen don't have the benefit of really being connected to any major star right now, although MJF, as we know, is doing a phenomenal job of getting uh, heel heat uh, the likes of this business haven't seen in quite some time. But how freaking over is Orange Cassidy? It's unbelievable. I mean, two guys, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later when I do my power rankings, but... I mean, he took it, MJF is taking it to another level as a heel. 
a heel that you're not used to seeing in 2020, quite frankly. And then this was, on Saturday, it was really a coming out party for Hangman Page. You and I have talked about Hangman Page, like he was missing something. He was he was almost there, but he wasn't there. He's there now, and you found that out on Saturday during that show. Hangman Page, Darby Allen, MJF, Orange Cassidy, younger guys that, yeah, you might have known a little bit about Hangman and Ring of Honor. Yeah, you might have known a little bit about MJF from uh, uh, MLW. You might have known a little bit about uh, Orange Cassidy or um, who else were we talking about? Uh, Darby, Darby Allen yeah. from some of the indies. But now they are, you know, becoming more and more well-known every Wednesday night. And the response that these guys are getting, you brought up Hangman Page. Hangman Page was the standout star of that tag team match. Not because I'm telling you, because that's what the crowd told me. They were into everything that he did. And now you see, Dave, remember everybody that was bitching and moaning that Jericho went over on Hangman Page to become the first ever champion. Oh, why are they going with the old guy? Why are they going with the old guy? They should be going with the youth. They should be going with Hangman. No. You're seeing now the slow evolution of Hangman Page, the slow unfolding, slow and steady wins the race, simmer before you boil. He's getting this fan base up underneath him. They're chanting cowboy shit. They like to see him drink his whiskey and then do those, you know, flippy lariat things that he does and all the cool shit that he does. They are getting behind him. Here's, here's everybody's favorite word. Here it comes. Organically. And then when it is his time, it's going to mean that much more. If you would have put that championship on Hangman Page right out of the box, then where does he go? It's over. You're dead in the water. You don't have to be a champion, people. You don't have to have a championship uh, belt around your waist. What you need to be is over. And when you're over, you don't need shit. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he does have the tag belt, but if they would have put that world championship on him at the beginning on that first pay-per-view, you wouldn't be seeing the hangman page you're seeing right now. And listen, when you're getting Kenny Omega booed, and the Young Bucks boo. Think about that. The Young Bucks came out, and that place was split. There were people, there were fans booing the Young Bucks. And whenever Kenny Omega tagged in, or whenever Kenny Omega stopped and got you know Hangman to, to you know try to calm him down, the fans booed Kenny Omega. Think about that. Those are those are the darlings, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page because he is so hot and so big right now. He actually got those guys booed. One of the little things that they did in their 30-minute tag match, which was, I mean, it was so exciting to watch. It was, and they did a, they did a good job at times of maintaining the tagging in and out, but I would have waited a little longer before I tagged in Hangman. I would have kept Kenny in there for at least... Ah, five, seven, maybe even ten minutes and built those people up so big that when Kenny would have tagged Hangman in for the first time, the place would have blew like Hogan defeating Sheik in the garden. I think they tagged him in a little too quickly. If you want to feel fresh, look good, and smell clean, you don't need a whole makeover or a lot of cold, hard cash. You just need grooming products from Bravo Sierra. The company that makes simple, all U.S.-made, non-toxic products everyone 
can afford. Bravo Sierra's line of body and hair wash, deodorant, shaving cream, sunscreen, body wipes, and moisturizer are field tested by those who work at the hardest, active service members of the U.S. military. They have pioneered an unprecedented large-scale testing program with 1,000 active duty service members with a simple idea. If the products work for them, they will work for all of us. But it doesn't just stop there. Bravo Sierra also gives back 5% of their sales to programs that help the military and their families. Men's Health Magazine calls it a game-changing grooming line. Try the Bravo Sierra starter set for free. It's three of their best-selling products, full size. You only pay $6.95 for shipping for a limited time only. Just go online to bravosierra.com slash SiriusXM. That's bravosierra.com slash SiriusXM for your free starter kit. The landscape of pro wrestling has changed. This is a revolution. So it's only fitting that we change along with it, even our rankings. It's amazing how these people just side with you. Welcome to the new and improved Dave LaGreca Pro Wrestling Power Rankings. Let's see who's up. Yes! Yes! And who's down. No! No! From Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, and the rest of the world of pro wrestling in this week's Dave LaGreca Pro Wrestling Power Rankings. All right, boy, here we go. My power rankings for March 2nd, 2020. And you want to know something? I'm going to start my power rankings with someone who's not with the WWE. Someone who is not with AEW, but actually somebody who's with Ring of Honor. That's right. At number five. Rose! Sends PCO into the corner. Up in the drop zone. You mess with the ball. Brian Zane, you get the heart. Oh, my God. Bulls hearts. That's got to be it. Two, three. Whoa. We have a new Ring of Honor world champion. And his name is Roos. That's right. Roosh now back to being Ring of Honor champion, beating PCO. And Roosh is at number five. At number four, as much as it hurts me, Bully, as much as it pains me to do this, it's really difficult, but I have to tell you my number four. Oh! Push it to this body. There's a, a knee shot right to the eye. Oh! Wait a minute. Hey. Jeff had the ring. He had the dynamite diamond on his head. The ring. The ring. Come on, Paul. Was I love that Gabby kept that MJF in there just to stick it to me. That human piece of shit, filth, scumbag. MJF at number four. At number three, a lot of people called it the match of the night. And it's even more than what they did on Saturday. It's also what they did on Wednesday night. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. What a week. At my number three. But now Hangman. Box shot Lariat. 30 minutes on by. 30 remain. Now Hangman. Box shot on the mat. Three. Impact. Cover. Shoulders down. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Omega showing you why a lot of people consider him to be 
the best in the world and Hangman Page. That was a coming out party for Hangman Page. He went to another level and they both deserve the third spot on my power rankings. A lot of people are going to hate this. A lot of people actually thinking this was going to be my number one, but no, no, no. It's number two. And Goldberg with knees and another knee. Finally created uh -oh. separation. He's got him where he wants him. Goldberg's got feet where he wants him. Can he do this? Can Goldberg do this? He can't. He can't. Oh. He will. Jackhammer. Cover by Goldberg. Shoulders down. He did it. Goldberg's the Universal Champion. I can't believe it. And Goldberg once again is going to be a champion going to WrestleMania. And he'll be your Universal Champion at WrestleMania 36. And we'll see what happens in Tampa and Goldberg at number two. And I don't think there's any question, Bully, who's at number one. He has pulled one over on Chris Jericho once again. Moxley, boot. And that shit. Moxley got it. Mox got it. Covering. And, of course, John Moxley, your new AEW world champion at number one. So, my power rankings for March 2nd, 2020. Roosh at five, MJF at four, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page at three, Goldberg at two, and John Moxley at one. Yeah, I'm not going to break your balls about your rankings this week. I mean, they were pretty obvious to me. I could make an argument for flipping four and five but no big deal. Yeah, and and listen, I I had difficulty with that spot too because you're right. But you know what? The story going in between MJF and Cody Rhodes was one of the best stories going on in pro wrestling. One hell of a match on Saturday. So uh, I had to put MJF at four. And if I put him at five, I guess, as you always say, I would lose credibility. It was hard for me to even put him on my power rankings to begin with. But I think you would agree, Bully, that John Moxley deserved to be number one. Well, now you're putting the AEW World Championship above the WWE Universal Championship. So if we look at it just from a championship belt point of view, which is more prestigious to you? Right now, I, I may have to give the nod to the AEW Championship because... Once again, when you look at the Universal Championship, Bully, you have another world championship in that company. Actually, you can make the case you have three world championships in that company when it comes to the men's division with the NXT and the WWE title. So the Universal Championship right now doesn't carry the same punch as the one AEW world championship. I want to go back down to number four with MJF. What did you think about MJF and Cody's match? I, I really liked it. I thought they told a hell of a story. And you know what told the story to me is the fans' reactions when MJF won that match. They were shocking that audience. They did a great job of panning on the faces of that audience. I mean, people were legitimately surprised and shocked that MJF won. And now you can continue that story. If Cody won, the story's over. Now you can continue that story between those two. Did you think that the match that they had and the psychology of their match was a good culmination to the story that had been told leading up to it? I thought so, yeah. I mean, because at, at times they were trying to do whatever they could to cause pain. 
And here's why. Cody could have won that match early on. He chose to lift him up at two. He could have won the match. And then you had also MJF taking off the boot and biting the toe uh, of Cody Rhodes. I thought those were good elements to mix in to that match. I definitely think that those were good elements to mix in. I was a little shocked that I didn't see more fisticuffs right off the bat. I saw Cody going for a clothesline and going for a kick. I saw him going for wrestling maneuvers and wrestling holds. I thought their story called for more violence in the fists, thunder in the fists, things that we would have saw from Dusty or from Terry Funk. I remember watching matches of Funk versus Lawler or Funk versus Dusty. Their stories were all about the facials, the punches, and the kicks. I thought there might have been a little too much wrestling when wrestling moves in the match. I really, really liked Cody and MJF for what it was. I probably would have had a little bit of a different take on the psychology of the match. And there were some things that went on in the body of that match that I did not understand. And if I, was, if I had both guys in front of me, I would question, why did you decide to go in this direction? So let me ask you this, Dave. We saw a bloody MJF, correct? Yes. How did he get busted open? I honestly don't remember. I honestly so don't remember. Minute. So wait a minute. A guy gets busted open in a match and you don't remember how it is? I don't remember. How it happened? And and listen, I'm, I might, you know, forgive me that I don't remember, but I honestly don't remember how MJF got busted open. If you don't remember, then it was probably not that memorable. But the, the, the fact that he was busted open was memorable to me. But you're right, I bully. I can't answer your question now. I should know that. I should go back and watch that again. But I do not remember the moment where MJF got busted open. It was off of a springboard kick. So now I've just reminded you. Cody spring did a springboard and kicked uh, MJF. And his forehead was busted open. How did that happen? I have to go back and watch. I don't. I honestly don't remember. You got me. My, my point is this. I'm not quite sure how he got busted open either. I don't know where, when, why, or how. That was a disconnect. I would have liked to have seen something a little bit more glaring. I would have liked to have seen Cody... Uh, uh, I don't know, with, with the buckle of his weightlifting belt, boom, jab uh, Max right in the forehead or slice his head open or something like that. That would have made sense to me. I would have liked to have seen Max's head get smashed into the, into the ring post or busted on, on something, the ring belt, anything. I have no reason, I have no understanding of why that kid was bleeding. I have to go back and watch, because wasn't that at the time where, like, Arn Anderson and Wardlow were going at, at, you know, going at it? So maybe it was something that the cameraman missed, or I could be completely off here. Nope. And yes, you are right. That was when Co- that's when Brandy dove onto Wardlow, and then Cody came outside, said, put her down, and then here came Arn with the chair. What they were doing right there in that moment is they were, they were using their smoke and mirrors to stay away from MJF at that time. But I want to know how MJF was busted open. I want to know why he was bleeding. 
that was that part of the story was not told very well and i think it's a glaring part of go ahead no no it's it's funny as you're saying this because as i was watching the match bully it didn't it didn't really it didn't hinder my enjoyment in the match like there were i i never thought back of like where, when did this happen that's so because m- you're so up cody's ass oh that's not true that is I true. I was completely. I was in on this match. I don't I'm think sorry, to do Dave. With me being I'm a sorry, Dave. Ass. If if the babyface is able to reseat the most hated heel in the business and make him bleed, and if we don't know how it happened, it needed to be more glaring. It seemed like blood for the sake of blood. Now I'm not disagreeing with you. You're making an excellent point. My point is that in the moment. I wasn't thinking that. In the moment, I was caught. You into of the, all people, I, I, I honestly didn't. I didn't question because I guess it was from they got me with the distraction with Wardlow, Brandy, and Arn Anderson. But so, until so what, you, you were distracted. No, I did not think of what you just said until you mentioned it. Now I'm being completely honest with you. Now, if you want to get on me because of it, you can because all the evidence is in your corner. I'm just saying as as I was watching the match, I was caught up in the match. I wasn't questioning like that should have been a more glare. Now, now that you're mapping it out, you're absolutely right. When you have a match that's a blood feud and somebody's busted open, you probably want to see where and how he got busted open. I'm just saying that I wasn't thinking of that when I was watching the match. I have seen you nitpick WWE things that weren't nearly as glaring as that. And this is me picking out a moment in time that we'll come on the show and we'll say, I can't believe the WWE didn't do this. I can't believe that in that match we did not see more of a definitive reason why MJF got busted open. To me, that is a major point of the match. That is a major receipt for Cody. And speaking of receipts, did MJF go to whip Cody with his weight belt? He did, didn't he? MJF took off Cody's belt, and he was going to whip Cody with the belt. What did the referee do? The referee grabbed it from him. Because that's what the referee should do, correct? Yes. What happens when Cody got that same weight belt in his hands? What did Cody do with it? He whipped He whipped MJF. How many times? Ugh, how many? Twice. Where did he do it? Right in front of the referee's eyes. How was that allowed? I can't disagree with you, Bully. These are the little things. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that much like you, I enjoyed the entire segment. I was into it. I liked it. But there were two things to me. Actually, there were three things to me that were so glaring. I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm going, why? How? Like, I thought that that was great, that the referee took the belt away from MJF. But then he watched Cody use it. 
And people are going to say, well, Cody was begging and pleading with the referee that, uh, you know, MJF whipped him 10 times. Yeah, because that was the stipulation. Cody had to accept that quote-unquote punishment if he wanted this match. That belt should have never been legal right in front of the referee's eyes. That's a little part that I disagree with, despite liking the whole match. And, Bully, this is why, and thank you, because this is when you become the teacher on this show, because you're 100% right. And you took me to school, and I went to class. Because, quite honestly, you're 1,000% right. If you have a blood feud like that, and somebody like MJF gets busted open, that's a significant part in the match. Now, despite everything that was going on with Brandy, Arn, and Wardlow, that probably should should have been a move or should have been highlighted because that's a major part. And obviously, JR made a point of repeating it twice that he was busted open. That was a significant turn in the match where people probably should have been grabbed and their attention grabbed, and you're absolutely right. And then when it comes to the officiating, and a lot of people get on AEW about the lack of officiating, if you're going to say the positive, which was the Jericho and Moxley match, where they did a great job of explaining what she was doing in officiating that main event championship match, then in a blood feud match like we saw with MJF and Cody, they should have done some explaining there. I can't disagree. Bully, it's hard for me to disagree with you because you're right. I'll take you to the third part that had me scratching my head a little bit. The finish. How did MJF win? Well, the, how did he How did he uh, win the match? Like, yeah. completely? Well, he had the, uh, he had the ring, the... Um, he had the foreign object. Have, he had the ring and hit Cody. Did you ever got see the, pin. the ring? Did you ever see the ring go on MJF's hand? No. Did you ever see MJF hit him with the ring? I mean, no. You you saw in his entrance he handed the ring to Wardlow, and then you saw Wardlow hand him something, which you would have to think that it was the ring. So Cody got knocked out with the ring, which I have no problem with. I wish I would have seen that ring a little bit more as a fan so I knew. They did a good job of telling me on you know, commentary, the damn kid had the ring on. Good job by JR uh, and the guys that announced. But MJF took two crossroads right before that. 20, 25 minutes deep after he was busted open and bleeding. They be, he basically sold, no-sold two crossroads. To me, a little bit of a disconnect. I can't argue because he did. He hit him with two, and then he picked him up to do a third crossroads, and that's when MJF hit him with the ring. Fuck. Now I got <laughs> to go back and watch the match again. You're gonna no. When you, I'm not pointing these things out to 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 screw with you. I'm telling you that as a fan watching this match, those are things that stuck out to me. I'm not sitting there uh, and go and you know putting it under a microscope and looking for things that are wrong. I'm completely invested in that match. I'm completely invested in the whole show. But when I see somebody the heel bleeding, I'm asking myself, what the hell just happened? 
How is he bleeding? Why is he bleeding? Did I miss something? And if you're going to have a moment in time like that, you should be never asking yourself, how did this happen? Because MJF bleeding was a big deal. Cody finally got the opportunity to get back at MJF. Now, I know people are going to say, oh, well, he whipped him with the belt. That's fine, but he should have never been allowed to whip him with the belt. And if you're going to bust the heel open, I want to know how you did it. And I get it. And you know what? I still enjoyed the match anyway. Like Me too. And you're bringing up points that are extremely valid and understandable that you're watching it in the moment and you're questioning it. But I think, and this is where I got to give MJF of all people credit. I think he's so good at what he does that I glossed over a lot of what you're talking about until you brought it up. And I was so caught. And here's the thing, Bully, and you can get on me and the fans could get on me. And it's not even about being caught up Cody's ass because this is more about praising MJF than anything else is that I was so caught up in that match, I didn't see those glaring mistakes like you did. Now, maybe I should have, but I didn't, and I was really entertained. And MJF to me, did a phenomenal job on Saturday night. I will give you two out of three of those things because you were so caught up in the match. If you didn't realize that the, uh, the, the belt situation with the ref, if you were so caught up in the match that you were just like, yay, referee, let Cody use the belt. Okay, I'll give you that. If you were so caught up in the match that you didn't think to yourself, holy shit, the guy just got hit with two crossroads and still was able to hit him with the... If you got caught up in that, that's fine. How you did not question the blood and how it got there beyond me i I, like i wish like jr would have said well maybe when he took the kick the bottom of cody's boot you know uh, busted him open or maybe when he fell down he hit a piece of steel on the railing and he was busted i had no i didn't know from the move and i didn't know from commentary how the heel was bleeding and maybe it's the fact that they didn't know either and they probably didn't want to speak out of turn and say something that may have been obvious for the people watching on tv and and i can understand that bully like if you're jr and you didn't catch it and maybe you're so worried that other people have caught it you're probably not going to say anything but it's a moment that was completely lost one of the brightest new talents in the UFC. You don't know what you're dealing with. The next level, you know, I'm a bona fide star. Takes on one of the most explosive fighters in the division. Flying knee. He knocked him out. Wow. That's it. This fight's over. The middleweight title is on the line when Israel Adesanya meets Yoel Romero at UFC 248. Join Sirius XM Fight Nation this Saturday for full coverage beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern, followed by post-fight reaction and analysis at 1 a.m. Eastern. Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. We bring the fight to you. I am just glad, Bully, that Super Showdown was on Thursday afternoon as opposed to Thursday night because I might have gone sleepy time bobos before Goldberg hit that jackhammer on the Fiend Bray Wyatt. I mean, that was kind of like a jackhammer. It, <laughs> it was a mini jack, mini hammer. The intent was there. I mean, he meant well. He meant well. Bless his, as Mark would say, bless his heart. <laughs> Bray went up like Dreamer would after 73 pieces of sushi. Oh, my God. Ay, ay, ay. Give him the honey, Junior. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, like, you did a great job defending the decision. And honestly, there really doesn't need to be a defense. They needed to take the title off of Bray Wyatt. 
They have to put it on Goldberg because ultimately what they want from the WWE universe is for Roman Reigns to get cheered at WrestleMania 36 when he beats Goldberg. And that's most likely what's going to happen. And it's a rough road to get there. But, Bully, as you said, and we have both said millions of times, that Universal Championship should have never been on the waist of Bray Wyatt. And honestly, I think completely killed for a time Seth Rollins. These are wrestling fans who think championships mean everything. When you're that over as the Fiend is, you don't need a championship to justify anything. Dusty Rhodes never, ever needed a championship. Whenever the championship went on, Dusty, it was for a short period of time because they needed to do something with a championship, but the whole idea was to get him off. I'll tell you a little backstory, David. I'm not going to take a lot of time talking about me. All eight Dudley ECW championships were done for one reason, to take the belt off of us. Paul never put the championships on Bubba and Devon because he wanted Bubba and Devon to run with the championships. It's because he had them... They want, he wanted to get other baby faces over, and he knew that he had a team in Bubba and Devon who could handle losing every single night and losing championships and get these other teams over. Certain guys just don't need championships, and The Fiend, as you've been screaming, never did. And for the, the people out there who I said in my tweet, you just don't get it, it's amazing that 36 hours later, Chris Jericho put out almost the exact same tweet about Goldberg saying, you just don't get it. And you really don't. And when I tell fans you just don't get it, I'm really not trying to take a shot at them. I'm not telling them, like, you're dumb and I'm smart. What I'm trying to say is, you don't understand if you really want to, if you're going to go out of your way to read dirt sheets and you want to know so much about the business and you're so smart, then really go out of your way to become an educated fan, not a smart mark. And an educated fan realizes that Goldberg winning the championship is a better move heading into WrestleMania season. It's a better move for Roman. It's a better move for The Fiend because now he's got Cena. They have set their chessboard up as best as they could going into Tampa. And if I'm the WWE, Dave, I'm starting off WrestleMania with Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. One spear, one spear, two spears, two spears, spear, 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 Jack Abner, kick out, one, two, boom, spear, Superman punch, finish. Yeah, that's the way to go. I mean, the last match I would think that we're going to see is Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. I think this was the perfect match to have to start the show because I don't think any of the 75,000 fans that are going to be in Tampa are going to be cheering for Goldberg. I would think and I would hope they're going to be behind Roman Reigns. Um, I, I'm behind Roman Reigns. I want to see Roman win. I want to see Roman win because of the personal battle that he has battled back from. Yep. I want to see Roman win because everything that I've seen him do from the moment he's come back, he's done well. Roman always has exciting matches to me. Roman never lets me down in the ring. He's going to be in there with Goldberg. 
Do I want to see Roman and Goldberg go 10 minutes? Absolutely not. I want to see Roman and Goldberg follow the Goldberg-Brock formula because we know it works. Start off WrestleMania with a championship changing hands and WrestleMania with a championship changing hands. Now, we'll get into the Bray Wyatt side of the equation in just a minute, but let's talk about Roman Reigns. Obviously, all arrows are pointing towards Roman Reigns winning the Universal Championship at WrestleMania 36. I mean, it's almost a guarantee. How do you know? I mean, for crying out loud, Bully, on Sunday we have Elimination Chamber. There is not going to be a men's Elimination Chamber match. Why? Because they already told you you're getting Roman and Goldberg on SmackDown on Friday. Roman came out. He, he challenged Goldberg. Who's next? I'm next. You're next. Who's next? Next, next, next. We're getting that match at WrestleMania 36. So you're not even going to get a men's elimination chamber match on Sunday. That's how hot they are going to. They can't wait to put that title on Roman Reigns. Are you going to be disappointed if Roman Reigns wins the championship? No. Do you think... Roman has earned the right to become universal champion again? Yes. You're, you're being honest, correct? I'm being, I'm being completely honest. What do you think the the chances for success are with that match? I do think... You, if, go ahead. I, I think it's actually going to be pretty good. You brought up the fact that this could be another WrestleMania 20 where, you know, the, the fans could completely shit on it. We saw that also at WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans with Brock and Roman. It was in the main event, and it was a really good match, and the fans chose to shit on it. There were some fans that actually left during that match because they didn't care to see who was going to win. Different story to me at WrestleMania 36. What is WrestleMania 20? And it was you said 34 was Roman and Brock, right? Yes. What did 20 and 34 have in common with fans being disappointed about those matches they didn't want to see it also brock was what they thought was on his way out the door but they were also on last how do you avoid the same thing happening to goldberg and roman you put it on first when what do i always tell you dave the best position to be in first Give me that first spot on any show, whether it, whether it's an indie show around the block from my house or WrestleMania. I want to be on first. I want to catch the emotion. I want that raw energy. I want to be Detroit Rock City. I uh, People call it cheap. Well, anybody succeed can succeed if you go on first. Great. Somebody's got to be first. I'd like it to be me. How does the WWE fight that negative reaction? Put them on first. Give it three to five minutes. Get in, get on, get off, get out, go home. If you take the risk of having those fans wait seven hours for that match Done. between Goldberg Done. and Roman, you're you're dead. You're playing with fire. Dead. He's dead. And there's nothing we could do about it. <laughs> you would agree, though. If you're having those fans wait seven hours, you're taking a big chance that they may shit on that match in Tampa. The last match should be Drew and Brock. If you, if you put Roman and Goldberg on, the later the night gets, 
in my opinion, unless they come up with some phenomenal story that has people so emotionally invested in this match in the next couple of weeks, the longer WrestleMania goes, the more chance Roman and Goldberg have to not succeed. I'm starting WrestleMania as of right this very second with Goldberg and Roman Reigns. The only thing, though, Bully, is that I know for a fact If I had enough money and I didn't suffer from lack of funds, I would put every dollar I had and bet that Roman is going to win and beat Goldberg for that Universal Championship at WrestleMania 36. I still have some doubts about Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. There's a part of me that thinks that Brock Lesnar may retain that WWE Championship in Tampa. If, If I had to choose, I would probably choose Drew. But I still think there's a good chance that Brock may retain. If you're if you're the WWE and you want to stick with Brock as your champion, do you still put that match on last? Uh, yes, because it would shock people. Um, I don't think they're setting Drew up to lose. Just by the way the Rumble was booked, and I know Brock. I can I don't even nobody even has to tell me just by watching the rumble I know who put the rumble together at least up until Brock was eliminated that's all Brock Lesnar's psychology because he's setting Drew up for success Brock took the best um uh, uh Claymore I've ever seen over the top rope kicked punted him out out of the ring There's a reason why Brock is doing this. There's a reason why Brock laid there. There's a reason why Brock allowed that shot to happen. Brock ain't stupid. Brock knows how to get people over. Now, if you were to tell me that Brock was going to go over at WrestleMania and they were going to give Drew his rematch the very next night on Raw and and Drew is going to beat Brock on Raw, Okay, maybe, maybe, but now we're losing that WrestleMania moment. If they were going to do that with any championship, I'd rather see them do that with Goldberg and with Roman because people will be ready for Goldberg to lose. And if Goldberg finds a way to retain and Roman gets his shot the next night and they do it on TV, more people will see it and and, and it's a carryover story. I don't think that's the way they're going to go. I think you're getting Roman and Drew as your new champions, and they're using the older guys to help get the younger guys over, just like Cena will do for Bray, and just like Taker will do for AJ, maybe. And if and if Taker goes over, trust me, Taker is going to get AJ over. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. First of all, Bully, after hearing what you had to say, I'd be surprised now if they don't open WrestleMania 36 with Goldberg and Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns becoming your new WWE Universal Champion. You can almost set it in stone after hearing what Bully had to say earlier. But let's look at the Bray Wyatt side of the equation. And there were a lot of fans that were upset and pissed off, you know, that you built Bray Wyatt 
you built and built this character and his personality. He was in the ring with Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins hit him with 98 chair shots and, you know, you know, hit the curb stomp 13 times and still wasn't able to beat him. And then a half-assed jackhammer. And the next thing you know, you have a new champion. And I understand that. And I get it. But don't forget this. That Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, was standing when it was all said and done. He was on both feet glaring at Goldberg. That's extremely significant. And that's a moment you can play over and over again. And all it will take, Bully, is one Firefly Funhouse with Bray Wyatt saying that that championship is just a toy in his toy box and meant nothing to him. And it's about the souls of his opponent. You, you know where I'm going. They could no. easily gloss over that loss from that Saudi show on Thursday afternoon. Two days ago, Bray Wyatt put up this exact tweet. To my mockingbird, not a loss, but instead a sacrifice. He wasn't a chapter in my tale. I began with a mission. And now and now I'm where I was supposed to be. You'll see. Not a loss, but a sacrifice. How's that, Dave? He's basically telling you that the championship did not mean that much to him. Winning the championship was gravy. He sacrificed that championship because he wanted to be in a position to get to John Cena. I began with a mission, and now I am where I'm supposed to be. Well, where is he right now? He's against John Cena at WrestleMania. If this is where he's supposed to be, this means this is where he wants to be. Thus, standing up right after the one, two, three. It's WrestleMania season, kiddies, and there's a really good reason why they did what they did. Well, you mentioned John Cena. Let's go back to SmackDown from Friday and hear what John Cena had to say. This year, WrestleMania should go on without John Cena. This is not goodbye. This is not goodbye. But it is goodbye for now, and it's the right thing to do. I, like you, believe in the future of this company. I, like you, respect the day-in-and-out work that WWE superstars do every single time they step into this ring. And WrestleMania spots should be earned, not demanded. So this year, I'm betting on the future. This year, WrestleMania goes on without John Cena. And then right after that, so John Cena saying, I'm out, I'm gone, I'm done. You know, the, the WrestleMania should be about the youth, I don't, you know, you don't just demand a spot on WrestleMania. You earn your spot. Now, what has the whole story been about with the Fiend Bray Wyatt? Getting back at all the people that have wronged him. John Cena would never go after the Fiend Bray Wyatt if the Fiend Bray Wyatt had that championship. John Cena just said it. It's not for him. It's for everybody else that earned the spot. So he's certainly not going to go after a title, but now it's a completely different story. Why? Because all you have to do is go back to WrestleMania 30. John Cena beats Bray Wyatt, and that started the decline of Bray Wyatt. There's your story. 
He couldn't do it with the championship. So he sacrificed that championship because he knew John Cena, goody-goody two-shoes, would never challenge him for that championship. So I got to get rid of this. And now I finally have John Cena where I want him at Tampa for WrestleMania 36. In the past 15 minutes of this show, if you did not get it before and still do not get it, you are the problem, people. We have just mapped it out to you. We have just given you the story that will and should unfold. The story that Bray told you by standing up after the jackhammer. The story that Bray told you on social media. The story that John told you in his promo. The story that Dave just told you dating back to WrestleMania 30. This is what was supposed to happen. This, the, the Fiend losing to Goldberg works for everybody. It benefits everybody. And hopefully your ignorance is not blinding you. So many people were up in arms about it. And you know what? It's okay. If you were up in arms about it, but can now sit back and go, ah, now I get it, that's cool, man. Good. I'm glad you get it now. But if you still don't get it, I don't know what it's going to take for people to understand that the storytelling means more than a championship around the fiend's waist that he didn't need in the first place. Bully, an hour or two when we're talking about AEW Revolution and you're talking about certain spots that bothered you in that match. And I said, you know what? Went right over my head because I was enjoying it. And you, and you said, you got because you got your head so stuck up Cody's ass. That was you saying, look, Rekha, wake the fuck up. Like, come on, man. Wake up. Look at this. I'm telling you this. Respond to what I'm telling you. It's exactly what you're telling the WWE universe right now. And Let's, you did too. Yes. Well, yeah, because the story's right there. It's plain as day. It's written out for you. And you know what? Again, the WWE wins. Because if you're so angry about Goldberg winning, they want you to boo Goldberg at WrestleMania 36. They win at that too. Because they want Roman to be that babyface accepted champion that you never have accepted him to be. Now you finally will because they're putting him in the ring with Goldberg, the guy that you absolutely hate right now. So in the eyes of the WWE, it's a win-win situation for them in Tampa. And if you are a fan or a wrestler or a veteran or an absolute anybody out there who's listening that does not agree, please call in the show we would be more than happy to debate you on why taking the championship off of The Fiend was the absolute right call. And The Fiend standing up tells you everything you need to know. And if you don't believe it, read his tweet. He called it a sacrifice. That means the finish didn't mean shit to him. Go ahead. Hit me with your half-assed jackhammer. Get this championship away from me. I don't want it anymore. It's holding me back. It's holding me back from the one person I need to find. I need to hunt. And I need to avenge. 
and it's John Cena from WrestleMania 30. And what are we getting now? Come on, people. Wake up. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.